0: that thing back in its holster we haven't gone anywhere i don't understand check out the michael dukes show.com for information on how to get access to the podcast welcome to the party pal the the michael dukes show
1: the greed and the entitlement is astounding
0: to me what more could you want from a low-budget radio program This is a dumpster fire.
1: That was just BS.
2: It is time to get a new
3: perspective.
0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom.
1: I just don't fathom it.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
3: Across the world on the internet at michaeldukeshow.com, where you'll find the audio-only live stream, social media links, and, of course, uh, links to the podcast as well, and broadcasting across the uh, state of Alaska on terrestrial radio. Just good old-fashioned terrestrial radio on your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning to you. It is The Michael Duke Show. Hi. How are you? You ready for Tuesday? Let's jump into it, shall we? Let's jump into it and get started this morning talking about all the things that are important. Today is the uh, is Tuesday, which is our normal day to talk about what we like to call the weekly top three, which are the top three items that uh, – are important. Uh, According to our friend Brad Keithley, who is the founder and director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, he comes in to talk with us today about those top three items. And today is no different. Today, we are going to... uh, dive into it, and talk with him <clears throat> excuse me, about uh, the uh, new campaign slogan that he thinks that Bill Walker should take up. And then, of course, dodging the question of who pays all the bills and all the different programs that uh, we're talking about here in the state during this election season. And finally, the new messaging that appears to be gelling around many of the campaigns, which has to do primarily with the cost of Education and the fact that we should be paying more for education in the state because that is the only way to save us all. It's the only way to save us all. So we're going to be diving into that and talking with uh, Brad Keithley about this uh, this morning. And we're looking forward to seeing what uh, you guys have to say uh, as well into Hour 2. We'll probably take some phone calls at the beginning of Hour 2 uh, to talk about uh, Brad's comments and thoughts, and then uh, in Hour 2, the end of Hour 2, we'll be talking with Chris Story, the man from... Homer, who will come on board and uh, give us a little bit of an uplift, a little bit of a life coaching lesson, a little bit of a little bit of good stuff. So that's uh, kind of the uh, that's kind of the fair round this morning of all the things that we're going to be talking about and going over. want to say thank you this morning and remind folks that. Uh, This hour of the program is being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. You can find them at SatelliteWest.com. Satellite West, of course, um, the premier place to go for any kind of communication need here in the state of Alaska. If you're looking to stay connected, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, out – in, uh, in the Prince William Sound area or if it's way up towards Anaktuvik, wherever you are, if you need to send an email or a text or make a phone call or surf the Internet, the people at Satellite West have got the technology to keep you connected uh, regardless of, uh, of where you are. And uh, they are the ones uh, that that can do that. They're the experts. So find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. Special thanks to them for sponsoring this hour of the program today as we continue on and uh, discuss all the good stuff, all the good stuff that we got going on this morning. All right. Um, So. I've got a few headlines that I'm going to go over, and some of this is going to be a little bit of a tease uh, for what Brad's going to be talking about because a couple of these articles um, are specifically uh, some of the things that Brad is uh, sourcing his opinion from this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Before we get into this, though, I had to laugh because... Well, I'd have to laugh because otherwise I'd cry. Uh, Iris Samuels over at the ADN has got a new article up this morning talking about how the uh, U.S. House candidates are continuing to claw and bite and rend and chew on each other, all while urging everybody to rank the red. The two Republican candidates continuing to uh, just bash at each other. Uh, all while assuming that this is going to do the job and get uh Democrat uh, uh, representative Mary Peltola out of office that's kind of the whole the whole point here this article <clears throat> gives a little bit of back and forth between the uh, between the two campaigns highlighting them and the messaging that they've been putting forward uh, and it's uh well it's just let's just say it's not been pretty uh, let's just say that it's just definitely not a uh, um, not, not, not fantastic. Now, um, <clears throat> it does touch on the, uh, Patriot Freedom Pack rally that was held at the Denina Center this weekend, um, highlighting the fact that there was almost no one there. And again, I don't know why, I, I don't know why there was almost no one there, but it did, it did happen. <clears throat> then it breaks down into the actual talking about the ranked choice voting, uh, itself and I see part of the problem, and I had seen uh, – we'd seen some discussions on this early on, uh, you know, this this whole framework that the Alaska Republicans had come up with that basically said, look, whoever you vote for, make sure you rank the red. Make sure that you rank the red so that we don't get a blue wave. Um, but uh, in the article, it says, before the August special election, Palin told voters that she only ranked herself. Her message, she said, was – Don't comply. Do not comply. But since her loss in the special election, Palin has adapted her message to her supporters to include that while she continues to view rank choice voting negatively, she says it's a kooky system, wonky system. She must operate with, quote, in the cards that they have been dealt. So... Okay, I mean, at least we've got that where they're saying that they're going. I mean, that's the thing when you look at each other and go, oh, she's horrible. Oh, he's horrible. Oh, she's horrible. Oh, no, he's horrible. But whatever you do, vote for both of us. (sighs) You guys are not helping. You're just not helping. You're not helping the situation. Um, Part of the campaigning is what Nick Baggage called this uh, kind of give and take. After the candidate forum on Monday, Begich responded to criticism from Palin's campaign regarding his negative campaigning, saying it was about sharing his opponent's record. We're going to talk about records, Begich said. That's part of campaigning. Well, and and while, again, I support Nick Begich as a candidate, I think he's great. Uh, I mean, I'm voting for Chris By to begin with, but. You know, that's just me because I'm contrary and you can't tell me what to do. Uh, And I find it ironic that Iris doesn't doesn't mention one thing in this article about except for that Chris Bayer was in attendance at this meeting. She doesn't mention any of his policies. I know he doesn't have a chance. He's in fourth place. Why even bother? Because I can. That's why. Damn it. That's why. Because I can. Anyway, um, you know. You get into this whole thing about we're talking about records, and that's part of campaigning. You could talk about somebody's records without going full-on negative, attack dog negative. I mean, that's just that, that's just the way it is. Now, Beggage did talk about... Um, that he's still in a position to emerge victorious from the House race by convincing some Palin voters to switch and by appealing to voters who did not vote in the special election but attend to vote in the regularly scheduled November election. Results of the special election indicated that in a head-to-head race, Baggage would have beaten Peltola, where Palin had lost. Um, Both Palin and Baggage had a lot of... um, uh, either exhausted ballots, meaning there were bullet ballots, one one and done, right? They voted for one candidate and done. But Begich had a surprising number. 23,000 people voted for Peltola in the second round. Um, and I, you know, I, got just stop fighting with each other? Can you just stop fighting with each other? You want a Democrat to be Congresswoman? That's how you get a Democrat to be Congresswoman. You stop, you don't put aside your differences. And, I mean, you can still talk about the differences in your policies or your 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 philosophies and everything else without attacking and, and just chipping away at people. It, it just, it turns people off. It turns people off. Now, Nick Bagage did say something that I thought was interesting. Now, it, the problem is, is that the way he said it comes across as kind of an attack. But I'm going to read it because I, I think it really struck me as important. He said, <clears throat> for most people that I speak with, they're looking for someone who's serious about the state of Alaska, not someone who's going to bring a James Bown impersonator from Chicago and do backflips on the stage. Apparently, that was a thing on Sunday. People who are actually going to work hard to solve the problems of Alaska. Now, that's an interesting comment, but what he really said next was what got my attention. We have to stop thinking about politics like political entertainment. This is one of the big problems that we've experienced as a nation for the last decade, that politics have become entertainment. That degrades our opportunity to govern properly, to represent our people properly. It takes the arguments that are cogent and throws them out the window for dancers and singers and entertainers. That's not going to fix the problems that we have in this country. Now, I could have, I could have gotten behind that entire statement. Um, and let it sit on its own instead of pointing out the fact that Palin had brought up the dancers and the singers and done all that kind of stuff. I mean, again, that would have been an example of how you could talk about these things without attacking the opponent. It it, it it's crazy. Now, what's interesting is that uh, Mary Peltola gets the final word in this article. Um, that uh, you know that Palin had not appeared at this Monday forum at the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, she she had appeared in a video message, but she did not participate in the debate. While Chris By and Mark Baggage and Mary Peltola did Peltola via Zoom, um, and but Palin's recorded message said something about people wanting to turn Alaska into a big national park, and they don't care about the economy and things that I probably could get around and and get it and you know get on board with. But a Peltola appeared to directly respond to the Palin's message in her message to the forum where she said, I'm not one to beat up on the federal government. It seems like Alaska's favorite sport. I'm not sure why people run for a federal seat if they just want to make it sound like the federal government is out to get us. Mary, the reason why people run for a federal seat is because they are beating up on the federal government and they want to make those changes so that we're not being pursued or beat down by the federal government. That's pretty obvious. I mean, that's kind of a dismissive comment. To people who, yes, I want to criticize the federal government and their handling of things in the state of Alaska, and I want to join and run for federal seat so that we can make a difference and change that. I don't see how that's really hard to understand, but it just becomes this very dismissive. I don't know why you're complaining about it and then wanting to be part of it. Oh, why would you do that? Anyway, this is, this is an interesting piece in the ADN. I will post it up in the chat room so that people can take a... Uh, Take a look at it and uh, um, and 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 do it to do do it to it. Um, uh, somebody on YouTube just said it's Nick Baggage, not Mark Baggage. If I said Mark Baggage, I apologize, uh, Freudian slip. Nick Baggage is who I was talking about this whole time. Was Nick Baggage? Um, what? Oh, I didn't even get a chance. I wanted to get into this thing about Bill Walker, but I guess you know what we'll have to we'll have to do this. Um, we'll have to. We'll have to do this uh, along with Brad. How about that? We're going to jump into this and uh, take a quick break. And when we come back, we will we will continue. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. It is the Michael Luke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return in just a moment with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Don't go anywhere. Back with more right after this.
0: Common sense regularly heard on American radio. Right, like Michael Duke Show. Radio.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Angie brings up the valid point. I mean, if you want to attack somebody, you should be attacking Peltola. If you double-team Peltola on her positions, you probably could make some headway. No one is talking about Peltola's positions. They're just attacking each other. Keep it up and she'll win. I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, that is exactly it. I mean, ugh. Oh, it's just, yeah. That's, they're, they're killing, you know, again, circling the wagons and shooting inward. Just absolutely – and there's a whole thing in that article. You can read about this article where at one point um, the uh, – um, Jerry Ward said he sat he sat down with Truman Reed. Uh, Jerry Ward is with the paling campaign. And he sat down with Truman Reed, the chair of the baggage campaign, and, and asked him to stop doing the messaging. And they said, well, they would think about it. And then Truman said, well, no, we never – I don't know what you're talking about. And then said, well, we did have a meeting, but I – I mean you guys just stop for the love of god could you just stop seriously how i mean you're not helping anyone except mary peltola so much ego involved in this whole thing it's just it's astonishing to me all right um let's uh we'll, we'll continue on here Brad Keithley, <clears throat> Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is uh, in the green room ready to participate at a high level here. He's going to wow us with his presentation and his thoughts this morning. Let's get him going on. Hello, my friend. How are you this morning? Michael, good morning. How are you? I'm, my God, son. Why are you so exuberant this morning? Let me turn this down a little bit.
1: How are, how, how's everything going? It's going great. It's going great. I'm out in Cape Breton and I'm enjoying some music and some good food and uh and I, having a good time. I figured you were out the at the music festival. That's the that's the big. This is the annual thing, right? It is. It is Celtic uh Celtic Colors uh International Music Festival and it's got it goes 10 days and it's uh Got international as well as Cape Breton uh, uh, musicians, and it's just a it's a wonderful time. You can't uh, you can't beat it. Everybody needs a little bit of solve or salve for their soul, right? And I and I just wanted I just want to mention that at the inn I'm staying at, I sat down to breakfast uh, yesterday and met a couple from Sitka, Alaska, uh, wow. who are up here who are up here for the festival. So it's not just for uh, New Englanders and East Coasters. It's uh, it's a truly an internet. And there's another couple from Australia, so it's truly an international festival. That's awesome. That's amazing. So, you know, I know
3: there's a lot of good times uh, when we get the when we get into the uh, uh, when we get into the the music and everything else. That's a lot of good time to be out there. And again, soothing the savage beast within our soul. That's uh, kind of what it's all about.
1: Yeah. Well, and, uh, and it's be- and it's beautiful here too. I mean, and it's beautiful. Top of that, it's That's called a- Celtic Colors because it's during the period of time when the trees are turning. So think think Maine. What you know about New England and, right. and and fall in New England? Think about that on steroids. Gold and okay. russet and red and all the beautiful colors and everything. And, yeah. and I've got all that outside that window right there. So if I if I start staring outside, that, yeah, staring there.
3: But okay, we've got colors here too. It's just I look outside and it's all white. It's white. <laughs> like yeah. snowing so hard yesterday i took some video and it was just like these big flakes it must have been about you know size of a 50 cent piece falling from the sky and i'm just like wow
1: just oh uh, i was I i'm not ready for it not ready for it I can't say I'm sorry to miss first snow and, um, and, no. and miss all the drivers readjusting adjusting yeah, to first snow on the roads.
3: Yeah, it was starting to snow last night when I left Anchorage, and I got home pretty early yesterday. I got home about 4 o'clock or 4.30, and uh, then it really started to snow. And about half hour later, my wife said, well, there's already a pickup truck in the ditch there, Muldoon. They're already announcing it. So, yeah, people totally forget how to drive on this stuff. So I'm not
1: looking forward to the drive-in this morning yeah i just i'll I'll leave that to to everybody that's there. I'll pick it up when i when I get back. No, I'm with you on that. All
3: right. well, Harold is complaining that we're having too much fun having social hours, so now we've got <laughs> now we've got to now we've got to, <laughs> Now we've got to get on with the tax chat. That's what he wants. He wants to hear about the tax chat. So we're going to do Her-
1: Herald is Harold is amazing. He can, he can complain about anything. He
3: can complain if he was hung with a new rope. Complain, complain, complain. <laughs> All right. You ready to do this thing, Brad? Let's get jumped back into it. Here we go, folks. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio. Like and share the show. Like and follow the show page. Here we go. Right, we're ready to dive into this—the weekly top three with Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We apparently having way too much fun in the chat room during the commercial break, because now we're supposed to knuckle down and get get to it. Get to it—that's what it's all about. Um, we've got uh, Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets on board, and uh, we're ready to uh, we're ready to chit- chitty chat about all the stuff. Brad, this morning uh, we're going to start off with uh, your discussion on. Uh, um, the the new campaign slogan, you, you don't work for the Walker campaign, but you probably should, uh, for this, for this new campaign slogan that you've come up with. Uh, and this is based off Bill Walker's piece in the Juno empire, uh, or a piece about Bill Walker rather in the Juno empire. Go ahead and tell us
1: what is the new campaign slogan that Bill Walker should be using. All right. So the, so the, 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 the campaign slogan that came to me as I was reading through this article is Bill Walker, I'm from the rich and I'm for the rich.
3: Right, exactly. That's where I'm from and that's what I'm
1: for. Um, Walker made a fortune uh, uh, suing the pipeline or suing the oil companies uh, over taxes uh, for years and years and years on behalf of the city of Valdez and other municipalities. And now he's using that fortune to protect the fortune and protect uh, uh, protect the rich as well. The The piece that the, the, the Segment of the of the Empire article that uh, or the Empire interview with Mark Sabatini that uh, that Bill did that really got me that really you know just got me got me jettisoned into this is the following paragraph. Walker said his goal is to follow that approach, the POMV approach, to achieve a total fund value of 100 billion to 120 billion, which will be sufficient to fund state government from earnings and pay fair dividends on a sustainable basis. Everybody right. loves that word sustainable. Sustainable.
3: Yeah. We keep using
1: um, it. I'm not sure you know what it means. Yeah, well, exactly. Um so the only the, the way you get to the 100 and 120 billion. I've been dealing with this issue for the past year as it's really surfaced as more and more a uh, a campaign mantra by various by various folks. Uh, the way you get to it is you cut PFDs now. Uh, so that you don't have to, you know, you don't have to cut government spending or you don't have to, you know, uh, do taxes. Now you cut PFDs uh, down to the level where, you know, sort of the government plus oil or the POMB plus oil takes care of government spending and whatever's left over goes to the PFD. And then once you get to this nirvana where you've got 100 to 120 billion dollars, that's going to fund government in perpetuity. We're not going to have to have to ta- ta- have taxes. We're not going to be you know, at risk of, uh, of oil tax changes, uh, or oil tax, uh, oil revenues or oil uh, uh, production. Once you get to this nirvana, you still have to cut PFDs in order in order to pay for government, you essentially are taking that numbers calculated, right to get you about a, you know, a, a 5 billion to five and a half billion dollar revenue flow. And that's, you know, what what people think will We'll take care of UGF spending. We'll take care of we'll take care of government. So it's protect the rich now. Don't tax. Use PFD. Don't cut spending. Use PFD cuts now. Protect the rich. Don't have to. Don't have to get any contribution from the top twenty percent. When you get out to this nirvana of 100, 100, 120 uh, billion continue to protect the rich by continuing to cut the PFD, so you can use all of that POMV revenue flow um, uh, to uh, to. To support government. It is, it I, I wrote a column, one of my columns for Landfield in the Alaska Landmine is titled The Yuppie Version of Fiscal Responsibility. That's that's exactly what it is. It's it's the yuppies who visualize themselves, so the young urban professionals who visualize themselves as on their way to the top 20%. If they haven't quite made it yet, they're on their way to the top 20%. They're gonna be in the top 20% after, you know, after Twenty, thirty, 2030 or twenty, thirty-two, or twenty, thirty-three, or somewhere, somewhere out in the twenty-thirties, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna achieve your top twenty percent status. You really, you're willing to give up the PFD now to build up this, 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 this fund to build up the the, the permanent fund to the point where you can get away without taxes once you're out there in the in the uh, in the twenty-thirties. Uh, and you're in the top 20% and you don't want taxes. So it's, you know, for those who are already in the taxes now, those yuppies that are already in the uh, in the top 20% now, it's great. They don't pay taxes now. They don't pay taxes in the future. They just sort of get a free ride, a free government on the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families. Right. For those that, even for those that aren't there yet. And I've, you know, I've encountered some and say, well, do, wouldn't, doesn't cutting the PFD cost you more than than taxes would now? Yeah, but I'm going to be in the top 20%. So they they view it. Sort of as a retirement fund, if you will, sort of as a, a mid-career subsidy uh, for for them once they get uh, once, once they get into the top twenty percent, and then uh, and then beyond that. And Walker has bought into it, hook, line, and sinker. Uh, he's using that as the center point uh, for his campaign. So basically, what he's saying: I'm from the rich. I, Bill Walker, understand this because I'm rich. And 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 I'm for the rich. I'm for the rich now because you guys don't have to pay taxes. Elect me, you don't have to pay taxes. We still get government. We still get all these these goods and services that you that you've come to rely on, and some of you contract for. You get all these goods and services. Don't have to pay for it. We'll shove that on the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families, and I'm going to protect you out in the future. All you younger ones that are on your way, I'm going to protect you out in the future uh, by uh, by continuing to. Uh, to go down this road and use PFD cuts to fund government, essentially use PFD cuts to fund government in the future as well. It's I I, I can't I can't begin to ex- explain the frustration level I have when I hear you know young people talking about that, younger younger professionals talking about that. I mean they don't I don't think they understand. I think they see it as a nirvana, right? Right. As Alaska Alaska is going to be this great state where I. No, you know, it's, the ideal yeah, of
3: the nation. It's all self-sustaining. It's all, we wouldn't have to do anything. We don't have to pay any taxes. We don't have to do, it'll all just be this utopian glorified, you know, whatever. What really struck me, Brad, about this whole article in the Juno Empire, by the way, which I'll post in the chat room, but is this whole, this whole tone of the article where, you know, oh, I'm the martyr. So I threw myself on the permanent fund grenade and all this kind of stuff. And then the revisionist history that, uh, that. Sabatini writes into this When, you know, Bill Walker said, well, I did this And when I explained to people why I did it They're like, oh, wow, you did why you did It the right way, and then he goes on to Say what the former Republican did as An independent governor from 2014 to 2018 was to lead the effort During the last year of his term to fund Government by drawing money out of the permanent fund For the first time in its 40-year history The plan drew opposition, yada, yada Yada, but that's, that's not just what he did If he had only Just drawn money out of the earnings Reserve, which was always allowable. It was always allowable to have money come out of the earnings reserve. But instead, he cut Alaskans dividends and left that money in the earnings reserve account while drawing money. So it's all disingenuous. It's all revisionist history. Oh, woe is me. Look at me. I took one for the team. That's why you should, because I'm the one that can get that. It's, it's all Burt Stedman. The whole thing is just nothing but a big load of steaming stuff.
1: It's crazy. Yeah, well... I mean, Walker does have this, Walker does have this self-picture self, self picture of himself that he was the, and, and you know, after, after he was unelected, after, after Dunleavy defeated him, Walker went out to, to Harvard and taught a course on independence and, you know, and political independence and how they make their way in the world. And they can take the hard stands because they're not beholden to either side. And I did that in the last, Bill's just, Bill's built a picture of himself that is great for his top twenty percent, his top five percent, his top one percent uh, 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 support group, um, I mean, it's it's a wonderful picture for them. Look at what we did. We 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 pulled off the the coup of the century. We didn't have to pay a dime. We get to continue government spending, and we pulled it all off the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families. But that's that's his self image. That's his self picture, and that's you know that's how he portrays himself. That's how he portrayed himself at Harvard. That's why you have all that outside money that's supporting the walker campaign because he's the true independent. He's the one that, you know, that stood up against the winds of the of the political parties and forced, you know, forced responsibility down the throat of Alaskans. He didn't force responsibility down the throat of Alaskans. He took money from middle and lower income Alaska taxpayers, from kids, um and and used it to support government spending to avoid touching the top 20%. That's what he did. And and for him to paint a picture, you know, a champion on the white horse, um, he's a champion on the white horse for the rich. I'm from the rich. Yeah. I'm for the rich. Uh, yeah. But but for it, for 80 percent of Alaska families, for the overall Alaska economy, he did exactly the wrong thing. Yeah. and and you know he just refuses to stand up and say, well, yeah, there could have been some downside of this. Yeah, it's just you know keep on driving through.
3: Well, and as a side note, I noticed that that uh, Dragus got into the got into the discussion at one point where they're talking about trying to bolster Alaska's economy and and making the workforce work better. And then she said, well, you know we've got to fix some systemic problems if you want to build a workforce, and you've got to tackle affordable housing, which of course is code for we're going to provide more government housing, which. You know, the whole thing just I just look at this and my eyes cross when I think about this. It's it's insane. Final thoughts here on number one, Bill Walker's brand new campaign slogan. Well,
1: I, it, it's just it's just a repetition. Walker is the candidate of the rich. Let's face up to that. He's the candidate of Kathy Geisel. He's the candidate candidate of 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 all of the keep a keep Alaska competitive crew. Right. I mean, he's he's the candidate of the rich and for middle and for any. Middle and lower income Alaska families concerned about themselves, concerned about their kids, concerned about Alaska's economic future, private economic future. You're going down the wrong road uh, if you uh, if you follow Bill Walker because all he's going to do is he's going to keep feeding you this line and keep taking your money right to to, to make sure the top twenty percent don't have to control.
3: all right. Let's go on to number two. The big question of who pays, um who pays? And it appears that the tax foundation, is uh dodging this question uh, they put out a tweet with a big uh with a big article about the economic implications of the Alaska income tax or its alternatives and yada 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 give us your thoughts on this right
1: now well Alaska uh, the the tax foundation comes at Alaska about once a year and they come up with a big study I don't know if that's Alaska policy forum that's behind that or or Alaska uh, uh, the, the Co- found uh, the coke uh, affiliate here in Alaska that puts them up to it. But Tax Foundation, which is a fairly conservative national organization, comes up once a year with a with a study uh, on Alaska. Last year, it was focused sort of the same way, a little bit different words, a little bit shorter, uh, but sort of the same way, which was, is basically tax uh, if you have to. You shouldn't really do it, but tax if you have to. And if you're going to tax, do a sales tax. Don't do uh, an income tax. And when they talk about income tax, they talk about a progressive income tax. I want to get into a little bit of the nuance of that after we do the break, but, but, but they mostly talk about an income tax. The analysis that they do uh, is mostly uh, about an income tax. There's no mention. There's one use of the word permanent fund dividend uh, in the entire piece, fairly long piece, one use of the permanent fund dividend, but that's not even in the context of, of, you know, the fact we're using the, 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 the fiscal tool, the revenue tool, with the largest adverse impact on the overall economy. No analysis of who pays. No analysis of who's paying now, middle and lower income Alaska families. No analysis of who would pay under a sales tax, middle and lower income Alaska families largely. Uh, And and really no analysis of who pays under the income tax they propose. They just sort of skip over the whole who pays question and just say, we really need, if you're going to do a tax, we really need a sales tax to make sure basically the top 20% are protected. So It's uh, a it's it's interesting reading for somebody that does this work uh, 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 on a regular basis, Uh, interesting analysis, but it has no relevance to Alaska because it doesn't talk about the permanent fund dividend and and the adverse impact that's having and talk about alternatives to the permanent fund dividend and because it doesn't analyze who pays. Under the uh, under the approaches that uh, that that they're proposing,
3: well, and and it, I think that's the the one thing that's missed. I mean, that's one thing that you can go back and say that ICER has hit on repeatedly is the adverse economic impact of the taking of the permanent fund. That it is the largest, it has the largest adverse impact on the Alaskan economy and families directly. Um, that it is a tax. That it is taking, and as you pointed out, from children. From children and families, and especially those who can least afford it, and people should be up in arms about it. And and either they're not, or we're just not seeing the the proper reporting on what people are thinking about this.
1: Well, part of it, part of it, Michael, is it's studies like this that just look past it. I mean, this is the perfect study: economic implications of an Alaska income tax or its alternatives. Well, one of the alternatives, and the alternative we happen to be using, is permanent fund dividend cuts (PFD cuts). That's the revenue alternative we're using. That has the largest adverse impact on middle and lower income Alaska families. If you're going to analyze Alaska revenue alternatives, and maybe part of the problem here is this is a DC group uh, as opposed to an Alaska group, but if you're going to analyze Alaska revenue alternatives, you've got to look at the one we're using now, which which is PFD cuts, taxes on middle and lower income Alaska families, and start from there. When we get studies like this that don't even mention the PFD, don't analyze the impact of the PFD, don't look at who's paying Alaska's revenue now, then the press, who doesn't dive into this deeply, the press just sort of overlooks overlooks the PFD. Oh, well, you know, we're we're talking about a debate here between an income tax and a sales tax. So that's what we got to write our story about. It completely, you know, it just, it it sends everybody off spinning in a direction that's not very, not realistic and right. not very productive. Because that's not the reality we're dealing with
3: right now. Yeah, absolutely. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will uh, continue this number two, uh, this new report from the Tax Foundation, and then we'll get into number three, which I really want to get into, which is the new thrust of almost, geez, it seems like almost everybody's campaign has to do with education spending, K-12 spending. We have to increase it. We must Otherwise, you just don't care. That's kind of the threat. we got more coming up. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio.
0: If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Duke's On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
3: Except that's not what Brad said. Uh, <laughs> Harold says, "I know. I just I shouldn't even entertain it." But Brad, I'm not going to respond to Harold, so you can say it. But I don't expect anything Brad, back. from Brad me. says the PFD is income for the government. Except that's not what he said. Oh my God! You just you hear exactly what you want to hear sometimes. Um, Brad, you know we we look at this and and that's what kills me is that nobody is addressing the fact that this has I mean and you and I have been hitting on this since 2014 that any taking of the permanent fund is as the largest of all the levers that they could pull as governments as leaders as as legislators all the levers that they could pull to help fund or fix shortfalls or revenues or anything else the one lever that has the largest adverse impact and the most impact on the economy One and two on Alaska families is the taking of the permanent fund. And they all go, oh, yeah. I mean, I remember 2014 we were asking the question of candidates. We were asking the question, do you support ICER's approach of a sustainable budget that we should be no more than four point one billion dollars? Uh, in spend, and that we shouldn't be avoiding taking the permanent fund because it has, oh yes, they all said yes, 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 we all believe in that. we all ble- and the next thing you know, it's four point five, four point six, four point seven billion dollars, and they're taking the permanent fund. Nobody's talking about what has the largest impact on the economy and people. It's all about well, government spend's got to be protected, don't you? Why do you hate children? Why do you hate roads? Why do you hate people being safe and being able to read? I mean, that's
1: kind of the the answer. Here's here's my theory on that, Michael, the the two biggest studies and frankly, the last major studies on the issue were in 2016 and 2017. 2016 is the ICER study. 2017 is the is the ITEP study uh, Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy. Those were the those are the two big studies. They got a lot of press at the time, but there's not been any big studies since um, uh, on the issue. And so there's nothing new. For the press to latch onto and and to talk about and to ask candidates about you have to go back to the 2016 and the 2017 studies which are still valid i mean it's it's the it's the same economic drivers now than as they were then uh they haven't changed they haven't changed at all they're sort of they're sort of universal um, but there's no new study to come out now why isn't there a new study that's because government hasn't commissioned a new study the 2016 study was done at the request of the administration, then Bill, then Governor Bill Walker's administration, who then ignored it, but it was done at the, at the request of the administration, paid for by the administration, and the 2017 study was done uh, at the request of the legislature when the legislature was considering very various fiscal os- options. The the Niels Andreasen, when he was at the Institute of the North, sort of continued on by having the guy who did the 2017 ITEP study talk at various forums and continued to keep the, the issue alive and, and and sort of renewed that issue uh, along the way. But now Nils is over at the Alaska Municipal League and guess what? <laughs> They're not talking about it uh, much right. anymore uh, because it's not doesn't serve their interests. They wanna take, just like every every other government body, they wanna take that easy money out of the permanent fund dividend, easy because the legislature can just do it without the governor getting involved. They just wanna take that easy money out of the permanent fund dividend um, and use it for local government as well, but through grants from the state government down to local government. So we haven't had—it's been you and me and 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 others, and some candidates certainly, Mike Schauer and others, but but we haven't had the study, the study that that you know the press can latch onto and report. Instead, instead we've gotten these series of studies like from the Tax Foundation. Which says, "Oh, the issue is really between sales tax and income tax." And you know, we—the issue isn't isn't anywhere near between the sales tax and the income tax. We've got the permanent fund dividend tax that, uh, that 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 is staring us in the face and affecting us every day. So you got these studies that are either irrelevant; um, they're focused on things that are that that aren't happening, or uh, you've got studies that, uh, uh, or or, you, or you've got agencies that just aren't pursuing those studies anymore. So there there isn't anything new for the for the press latch on to when you have mark sabatini from the juno empire when you have iris samuels you know when you trade out these reporters and you get new local reporters reporting on the thing they don't have any history with these issues nat Nat hertz who wrote the 2017 article on the on the itep report did sort of still raise that issue along the way when he was still writing for the adn but now that he's gone freelance you don't get any of that stuff out of the adn because they're new reporters there and there isn't anything new from them to for them to latch on to so I, that's my theory on on why there's been radio silence about this issue. It's because it's because they don't have a document from government or from a government-sponsored uh, study uh, uh, that uh, that that's really analyzing uh, the issue right, anymore. Right. Right.
3: Donna drops one in the chat room. Her bomb for the day. Here's a her study: Government spending is a drain in the economy. Private spending rolls through the economy and creates jobs and economic growth. This is just an argument that we've had for many years about the number of times money rolls in an economy versus public versus private. We've got to get that money into the private economy. That's where creation happens, not consumption. Right? I mean that's – all right. Yeah. I'll let you comment on that. I'll let you comment on that and start with that on the other side, Okay. All right. All right. Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, The Michael Duke Show. Here we go. All right, we're continuing with Brad Keithley, Uh, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, We were just talking here in the chat room about... uh, Monies and running in the economy And Donna Ardwin, who happens to be listening to the show Dropped a a gem in the chat room That said, here's a study Government spending is a drain on the economy Private spending rolls through the economy And creates jobs and economic growth And Brad, this is what I've been saying for years It's pretty obvious to anybody who's really paying attention Government is a net consumer, not a producer The private sector is the production side That's what, I mean All government does is really consume Uh, They may have some short-term production And creating things like, you know, infrastructure and things, But those are all very short term. The only way you get long term continuous production of wealth is from the private economy. And this goes right back to that the whole idea of the number of times a
1: dollar turns in the public versus the private economy. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, I, I think that's correct. We were talking about in the context of that we were talking about studies and the lack of studies comparing the, the, the cuts in the permanent fund dividend to other. Uh, revenue options and the impact of, of cuts in the permanent fin- fund dividend compared to those compared to those other revenue options. And and there was one, I mean, there was a study that did exactly pointed out exactly what Donna just pointed out that she helped sponsor during the beginning of the Dunleavy administration. It was from the Battelle Institute in Ohio. But even that study got drawn into the de- debate between sales taxes and income taxes and spent and spent a lot of its time it didn't just focus in on that on that one issue about government being a drain. It got focused on well, if government's going to be a drain, if government needs revenue, right? Uh, where does that revenue come from? And then it focused on the sales tax versus income tax, and sort of sort of went down went down that road. So even even the studies uh, that that you know try to make that point get drawn into the debate about who pays and get drawn don't don't get drawn into the debate about how you know we ought to fund this this uh, uh this whole, but don't do a study that includes the permanent fund dividend cut. So you don't see all the revenue options uh, at once in one study. You're just seeing little slices that people wanna advocate for, like Tax Foundation does with sales taxes here. Little slices little slices of studies that sort of, you know, focus on what they wanna advocate for. If we're gonna have revenues, it ought to be a sales tax, not an income tax. Here, here's, the, here's the one other thing I wanna say about the Tax Foundation study. What's intriguing to me is that the Tax Foundation has been a big advocate of going to a flat tax. And part of the report, part of of, of Jared's report in the Tax Foundation study is to talk about the number of states that have been converting from a progressive income tax to a flat tax. Um, And and it truly is a wave uh, among among conservative uh, governments, uh, Republican uh, governments to be converting their previously progressive income taxes to a, to a flat tax. And Jared talks about that being a good thing. And it is a good thing because it it doesn't, you know, PFDs are bad because they push cost to middle and lower income Alaska families. Progressive income taxes are bad because they push disproportionate cost to top 20%. Top, the flat tax takes, an, it takes a proportionate amount from everybody across the board. Everybody has the same uh, stake in the game. So Tax Foundation has been a big advocate of that. Tax Foundation talks about it. Uh, in this, but they don't talk about it in an Alaska context. They talk about it as in, in this context. They say, "Well, progressive income taxes are bad." Even you know, even states that still have un- income taxes uh, 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 agree with that. They're going to a flat tax. But much, what's what's even better than that is a sales tax. And they don't stick on flat tax and talk about flat. And he doesn't stick on flat tax and talk about flat tax as an alternative uh, for Alaska, as we've talked about for a long time. So there's, there's, there's almost, you know, as I was reading through it, I was going, okay. 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 Where'd it go? (laughs) You missed the ball.
3: Yeah. Ball went right by you swung and you missed. That was it right there.
1: (laughs) We We had a flat tax. We have a flat tax. They're good things. Arizona's adopting it. Oklahoma's looking at everybody's, everybody's moving toward a flat tax. It's great. It's great. And then it disappears from the page. We go on to, you know, how bad, how much better sales taxes are. So I, you know, it, until we get a study that goes back to the basics and looks at the fact that Alaskans today are paying for government through a PFD tax, a tax on their PFD that's shoving most of the cost of middle and lower income Alaska families, until we have a study that starts at that reality and then builds from there. We're just gonna we're gonna continue to go through the cycle of sort of meaningless, useless. Oh, that's interesting, right. fun to read. You know, put that on the shelf. I mean. We're we're not and, and the press is going to go through cycles of oh, we're not talking about yeah <laughs> right. taxes right what exactly I are mean, we talking about here right, right. exactly and, until we get somebody that focuses on the PFT starts the conversation at what the reality is on the ground today uh, we're not going to have a study that's that's going to be you know worth a lot or get give a lot of get a lot of attention or be worth the. Uh, talking about for long periods of time on the show let's move on to number three i really want to get onto this which is the new right. battle
3: cry of all the campaigns that are business as usual the republicans the democrats the business as usual republicans well what i should say is the pro government people versus the pro private sector people is it and the and the battle cry has become education and the bsa and don't you care about the children and i i I our, I believe our schools are worth fighting for. That's Zach Fields' newest piece, and another opinion about, uh, another opinion about uh, benefits and and and
1: uh, and pensions, and this is the new battle cry. It is, it is. If you look across the campaigns, I I hadn't done this analysis until this past week, but if you look across the campaigns, there are a huge number of teachers uh, running for office up in Fairbanks, down in Sitka. In Anchorage, I mean, there's a huge number of teachers uh, or people who are prioritizing education in their campaign pitches that are running for uh, office, and and it's and, and we're beginning to see. You remember back in in 2014 when Sean Purnell was running for governor, and all we saw were ADN articles or Alaska, yeah, it was ADN at the time, um, Alaska Dispatch articles about uh, the National Guard uh, crisis and right. know, what's the governor doing about the National right. Guard crisis. Well, all of a sudden, we're seeing all these stories about about the $60 million shortfall in uh, the Alaska school district and you know about all these teachers who are leaving the state because we don't have a defined benefits program. We don't have a, we don't have a pension program for teachers. And that's building, if you watch it, if you, if, you, if you start looking at it from that angle, that's building up to be the big campaign issue as we go into the last two or three weeks uh, of this campaign. And Zach Field's opinion piece from yesterday in the ADN it's sort of the poster child for that, right? I mean, you, I, I, I had snippets of it that we were going to talk about uh, uh, that had built up over the past week, but Zach Fields has sort of brought it all together and just sort of plop. Um, and basically, what Zach is saying, you want to, you want to close that sixty million dollar deficit without having to increase uh, property taxes, or without having to close your kids' school, or without having to end sports programs or band programs, or you know, just go down through the list. If you want to close that sixty. Million dollar uh, deficit. What you need to do is elect Democrats or independents who are who are, who are Democrats in disguise, because they're going to go to Juno and they're going to increase the BSA. And by the way, that's what this other op-ed does. By the way, why they're there and why they're worrying about education. Let's just go ahead and give defined benefits to teachers. Also, that'll be a little add-on as it right. as, as it comes through committee. So what what we're seeing is this buildup. Just like the the Sean Parnell National Guard issue in 2014, what we're seeing is this buildup of stories about the school district and this buildup of stories about teacher pensions and and, the the, the critical role that teacher pensions play in in retaining teachers uh, in Alaska. We're seeing the buildup of of these stories as we approach the election. And then you're seeing candidates, you follow on Twitter or you just follow their comments in the newspaper or just listen to their stock speech. Then we see the candidates going, and we've got to do something about the, about the anchoring shortfall or else Johnny's school's going to get closed and his band program is going to get shut down. And, and, and Julie's uh, 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 sports program is going to be cut. We're going to cut women's programs first. And uh, Julie's sports program is going to be cut. And, and, and you don't want that. The right. property taxes are going to go up. So let's do this. Let's elect me, uh, the good old solid independent candidate. Let's elect me. And I'll go down to Juno and by gosh, we'll increase the BSA and we'll, you know, we'll protect Johnny's school, we'll protect Julie's program. Right. And that's, and that's where we're going on this. Yeah. No,
3: I agree. That's because we've seen that from some of the candidates on this very program talk specifically about that. Almost every Democratic candidate that we've had and a few of the independents and a few of the business-as-usual Republicans have all said, well, we've got to really look at this BSA. We've got to increase this because, you know, education, they haven't been funding education. They haven't been funding. You would think that they have been taking all the dollars from it. They haven't been funding education. Now, they never talk about the fact that while the BSA has not been adjusted since 2017, 2016, 2017, there has been exponential amounts of money, gobs of money that have been poured down on top of the BSA that has has to do with mismanagement. They don't talk about the overall declining enrollment. It's, oh man, we are out of time. I just looked at the clock and realized I want to rant about this, but I can't because we're up against the break. Uh, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thanks for the blood pressure raise this morning. I appreciate you coming on board.
1: Michael, as always, thanks for having me.
3: Um, wow. Uh, just it's insane folks it's insane of course we haven't been funding children that's why of course the scholastic achievements are so low and one in four don't even graduate because we haven't spent billions of dollars on school systems in this state the michael duke show continues your phone calls up next right here common sense liberty base free thinking radio all right brad i'm gonna rant for a second this is insane I mean, again, they treat it, that's exactly what they say. Well, you know, the BSA hasn't been adjusted since 2016, and so we're underfunding the schools. The billions of dollars you put, the BSA is the starting point. You have poured billions of dollars into the school system since 2016, and you have again. They don't talk about the declining enrollment rates. That enrollment rates are going down, and that the the budgets are going up. They sh- they're not talking about those inverse, uh, uh, you know, uh, graphs at all. And and they're like, well, no, we should get more. But you have less students. But we should get more because we're not getting the achievements that we need. That you have less students and more money now.
1: How is that going to fix it? You know what the real irony is about this, Michael? The real irony is that pitch, the, you know, education's underfunded, we're having low-performing students, we're going to have to close schools, we're not going to be able to construct new ones. That pitch is really focused a lot on the top 20%. It's really focused a lot on families that that are in businesses or run businesses that are dependent upon the education system to produce qualified graduates to continue to run those businesses or Or families that you know really focus on uh, school for their kids. All families do, but the top twenty percent think they focus on it a lot more than anybody else. And here's the subtle here's the subtlety of it. And we can do it all with PFD cuts. (laughs) So so you don't have to pay for it. So vote for us. We'll spend more on the things that you think are important, and on the things that make you know make your business run better. The things that you tell the pollsters are important to having a good a good business. uh, uh, condition here in Alaska. Vote for us. We'll do that, and you won't have to pay for it, because we're going to do it through PFD cuts. It is horrible. It right. is horrible. Zach Zach Fields is the worst at that. Zach Fields is is the is the quintessential limousine liberal in in, in Alaska. Give me all this government. Give me all this spending. But don't make me pay for it. Right. Right. I, I mean, my gosh, I, my wife and I have a $250,000 income. I don't want to pay any of that for it. Right. Uh, let's just use PFD cuts for it. Right. And it's and and, and the disconnect, the disconnect uh, between between the pitch of spend more, spend more, spend more. And but you don't have to pay for it. It's just I I just it, it drives. That's what drives me over the wall. That's what drives me to rant.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, and again, we're seeing more and more of this. I, like I said, with every candidate that was an independent or a, a business as usual, pro-government spend, uh, you know, Democrat or Republican, it all was about how we need it. we've got to adjust this BSA. our kid our kids need it. Our kids need this. and then, oh, yeah, by the way, we also needed to find benefits program because you know, they're just not taken care of well enough. Um, which again, it, it just it, it's a disaster in the making. But unfortunately, like you said, some people just, oh, it's for the children. Oh, well, we better take care of it then. Oh, we be-. some of the verbiage that Zach used in this piece, though, oh, just it just infuriated me. Um, what did he said? Uh, uh, how did he put it? Um, the, the, uh, the talking about um, I actually highlighted it. Where is it? Uh, the malicious campaigns against school bonds. He said, oh, the malicious campaigns against school bonds, you know, because what property owners are tired of being taken to the trough and drowned yet again. Because they're not going to take their licks like you normally – oh, it's, you know what do you care? It's only a few bucks per $100,000 of your house, so you should just do it. The malicious campaign – people are tired. That's not a malicious campaign. People are frustrated and tired with this, and they're seeing that the system is – I mean, they may not be able to uh, to explain it, but they know in their hearts that the system is fundamentally broken. Something's wrong, and that's why they do it. It's not a malicious campaign. It's that people don't want to pay for it
1: anymore. And here's Zach's, here's, here's the subtlety of Zach's pitch. Vote for me, vote for Democrats and we'll take care of it because we'll use PFD cuts to pay for it. We'll, we'll do all these great things. We'll increase the BSA, we'll increase, you know, spending on schools, we'll increase the, 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 or we'll go back to the, to the standard on, uh, on uh, reimbursement of uh, school bonds. Uh, Vote for me and we'll do all that. And you won't have to pay for it. Right. And that's just, that's, that's the part that drives me over the edge. I mean, that the unfairness, the 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 inequity, the 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 hurt to the Alaska economy uh of, of that pitch. And then you know, you, you talk about business as usual Republicans. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we can't oppose education, we can't oppose spend, but we don't have to pay for it, right? I mean, we, we can use PFD cuts for it, right? So right. so it's okay. I can say I can say I'm supporting education then. I can say I'm supporting an increase in the VSA, as long as I don't have to pay for it.
3: Oh God, it's just so painful to watch. Um, somebody said something earlier in the chat room about uh, how is it so obvious to most of us, and there's a, just a few that continue to. Uh, here it goes. This is Herder. It never ceases to astound how what appears is so completely self-evident is so elusive to some minds, and I don't know if it's elusive or just the disingenuousness of, you know, we're just gonna tell. We're gonna say the quiet part out loud. And, and you're going to just, it it blows my mind, Brad,
1: just blows my mind. Final thoughts before I let you go here. Well, that's just, I mean, that's how, that's how they built government. going back to Bill Walker. That's how Bill Walker built government. Uh, I'm going to build, I'm going to continue to to fund government. I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to continue to fight for, for education, for the university and all that, but you don't have to pay for it. Yeah. I mean to, yeah. The, to the top. It it that's that's the whole thing that's going on. And look the at me the whole pitch that's going on.
3: And look at me. I jumped on the grenade for you. I did it for you.
1: I did it for you. <laughs> I'm not looking for anything except for another term. I did it for you. Feel for me. Yeah. Yeah. Keep Alaska, competitive folks. I did it for you. I didn't I didn't raise it. I didn't raise all taxes. You didn't want me to raise all taxes? I yeah, didn't raise taxes exactly. on you. It's you all you millionaires. Yeah, it's all about all about I, us. <laughs> I made them I I made I made a, Get this. I made I made middle and lower income Alaska family. families yeah. pay for all of it. Shh, don't tell It's anybody. just it and and Zach's right in there. So it's I mean, that's what we're hearing. Gotta spend on the schools, gotta spend to, to retain teachers, but you don't have to pay for it.
3: I love it. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaska's for sustainable budget. Thank you, my friend.
1: Michael, as always, thanks for having
3: me. Folks, we're out of time. We gotta go here. The Michael Duke Show continues our two day ahead. Thanks for calling the call-in line of The Michael Dukes Show.
0: Whoa, buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the themichaeldukesshow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
3: Across the state of Alaska, this is your favorite radio station and or FM translator and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com on the Internet. That's right. We've got the links up right now for the audio-only live stream, all of our social media links and everything, uh, and everything up there where you can watch us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Thank you for coming on board and joining us. It is the Michael Duke Show, hour two of the big radio show. And um, I think it's time to open up the phone lines. What do you think? I think it's time for us to bring on some phone calls and to talk with you for just a little bit here. We're going to be joined in just a few moments by Chris Story, the man from Homer, who's going to give us our weekly life coaching lesson. A little bit of an uplift, the positive segment for the week, the positivity segment for the week. Meanwhile, um, we would like to open up the phone lines and take some calls at 907-433-3150-907. 433-3150 433 3150 if you would like to call in and uh and sound off on anything that well anything that Brad just talked about. I want to continue to rant for just a second about uh this whole thing with the with this with this with the education funding. Because again, going back to this opinion piece from Zach Fields, uh one of the things we were just talking about in the break is some of the verbiage and some of the some of the uh <clears throat> Some of the things that are said in this article where, um, you know, uh, Zach Fields is talking about the Anchorage School District confronting critical needs for deferred maintenance and an operating budget shortfall. First of all, the fact that they're facing critical needs for deferred maintenance is a lack. I mean, you know, piss poor planning on your part does not constitute an emergency on my part. Right. That's the old axiom. You know, when you when you, you know, prior planning is bad. Doesn't mean that it's an emergency on my part because you failed the plan. And here we have confronting critical needs for deferred maintenance. Well, that's because you deferred the maintenance and spent the money on something else that you thought was more important. And now you've discovered that, no, no, that maintenance was actually important after all. And then he goes on to talk about this is a result from malicious campaigns against school bonds. That's what he's blaming the deferred maintenance and the budget shortfall on is malicious campaigns against school bonds. Now, I have been fighting against most school bonds in my life for the last 20 years. I have pointed out the problems with them. All it does is it rewards bad behavior. In Fairbanks specifically, we had some serious issues with deferred maintenance and everything else um, and uh, always coming back to the school bonds to say, oh, it's free money. What does it matter? It's free money. I mean, we only have to pay 10 or 20 percent, although sometimes we have to pay 100 percent in some years. But, you know, it doesn't really matter because it's all free money. And all I said is that it rewards bad behavior. If they've got things where they're going to defer maintenance on schools and then eventually just bond for it down the road, you have rewarded that bad behavior instead of making them pay for the maintenance on the facilities as it comes up. Uh, we struggled really hard. One of the things that I was most proud of in the assembly before I left the Fairbanks Assembly, was that we had finally mandated that any new construction required to have a 10-year fiscal note on it that talked about the finances of how they were going to pay for the maintenance and upkeep of these buildings in the long run. Because they were always about, oh, let's build a new building. It'll be great, man. I just think about it. The stimulus for the economy, the construction industry, everybody will good. The kids will benefit. And it'll only cost you 12 or 15 or $20 million. Let's just do that. And, of course, never a discussion on what it's going to cost to heat and light and power and repaint and replace roofs and upgrade wiring and do all these other things that any other private industry or private citizen would have to do to their facilities. Never a discussion on that. So they'll just bond for it down the road, and then we'll pay for it then. And then it got to the point to where they were talking about replacing school. At one point, Nordale School in Fairbanks— uh, had a bond package that they had just passed, I think, 10 years prior. It was a 20-year bond, so they were still paying on the bond. And they went ahead and convinced the people to bond for another school in its place. They knocked down the old school, raised it to the ground, and built another one right next to it where the, in the parking lot where the other one was. So we were still paying bonds on a school that no longer even existed for upgrades that we'd just done 10 years. I mean, it's insane. That's not a malicious campaign against schools. What it is is people realizing that what you're doing is not right and not working. Then he goes on to talk about how In the 1970s, Alaska was the best place in America to teach, and it had one of the best education systems. Well, it was the best place to teach because we were so awash in money, we could do anything we want. We were so flush with money. I mean, there was just things flying around all over the place. Of course, then the 80s and 90s came in, and uh, he said, oh, the budgetary volatility of the 80s and 90s destabilized education fundings. Well, the... That's because the entire economy was in turmoil because we had just gone from being totally flushed to being totally busted. Not to mention the SNL crisis and everything else. None of this happens in a vacuum, folks. None of these things happen just because we decided today that we're going to destabilize education funding. And then he goes into this He goes into this little diatribe about the history of public education in the United States, and he brings up the straw. I mean, at the time, reactionaries opposed public education, ranging from the opposition to women's literacy to continue public education would undermine Jim Crow systems of apartheid. I mean, making anybody who opposes education at any form is obviously misogynistic or racist. That's the implication. Right? It 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 is just insane. The whole crux of the matter is the Anchorage School District will soon real, uh, release school closure proposals and will also be forced to consider increases to class size, elimination of sports, music, and immersion programs, but only if the legislature doesn't increase educational operating funding next year. That's the crux of it right there pay for education or we're cutting your music programs we're cutting your sports programs we're cutting I mean again no mention about the fact that the uh, that the education administration and overhead is on a arc like this and that the spending is on an arc like this and I'm pointing upwards folks for those of you who are on the radio and that the enrollments are like this going down they're on a decline and have been for the last 10 years, So we have fewer students with higher expenditures, and you're justifying to say what we really need is even more expenditures to be able to say, I mean, this is, this is it. This is it right here. And over, this is the the kicker. For the last four years, Alaska and Anchorage have lost population as vetoes have damaged our school systems. That's the reason why people moved out. Not because of the recession that was prior to the pandemic, not because of the recession, not because of the pandemic itself, not because of any of the other issues. This was all because we've damaged our school systems. That's why people have moved out of Alaska and Anchorage. Is it not is it just me or are you just like Anchorage and Alaska have lost populations as vetoes have damaged our school system?
1: That was just BS.
3: I mean, it's the whole thing. The whole thing right there. That's it right there. The, the whole thing is just... And this is... You can hear it. This is the battle cry for so many candidates now. Les Guerra we had on, Cliff Grow, Andrew Gray. All of these people are talking about that same thing. We've got to do that. So. Uh, you know, th- this whole thing is just is so astonishing to me that this is where we come to. We have declining enrollment. We have exploding administration and overhead. We have an increased amount of funding. We've spent billions of dollars, billions of dollars on education over the last 10 years in this state. And we still scrape the bottom of the barrel scholastically in achievement. We still have only a 70, what, 76%. We've gone up two or three whole points since Sarah Palin was governor. Two or three whole points to 76% graduation rate, meaning one in four still don't graduate. And, oh, by the way, those that do graduate, most of them still have to take a remedial math course to be able to take standard 100-level math classes in college. Why? What, what are we getting? And what, what are we getting? Not to mention the fact that today you look at all of them. And of course the pandemic really, the pandemic really opened people's eyes to a lot of this stuff. You saw what was going on. You saw how hard it was. And now we come back to it and we can't even get the kids to school anymore. The bus situation and everything else. And, you know, what we really need, it's all your fault because you didn't want to give a school bond. It's all your fault because you don't support educators or legislators who want to buff education. It's all your fault. This This is where we're at, folks. This is going to be the argument for the rest of this election cycle. You could see it. It's going to be BSA increase and defined benefits for teachers. That's the argument. They're going to stick with it. And if you disagree, if you don't support it, well, in Zach Field's opinion, you're like those people who opposed public education in the beginning. You're a misogynist and you're a racist because you didn't want women to be able to read. I don't want them women to be able to read. They shouldn't be able to read. They should be making me a sandwich in the kitchen. That's what they should be doing. She don't need to be no reading. Jeez. Or it's going to undermine Jim Crow. So, of course, if we oppose education, we are one of those two things. Narrow-minded opponents of public education didn't want to take children out of the mines, the cotton fields, and the factories with their near free labor. We want to put children back to work in the... Yeah. All right. Well, okay. You know what I say to that? Homeschooling and self-education is not not as hard as people think. And that's what people have discovered. That's what people have discovered. But, you know, again, the silver lining to the pandemic is that it's not that hard to teach your own children. It's not that hard to run to uh, to uh, you know get into a, involved in a in a school program like idea or raven or cyberlinks or frontier or one of these other ones it's not that hard and in fact it's a lot more rewarding and in fact your children will do better your children will do better that's what has been discovered and that's why I think you're going to see a bigger push for things like backpack funding and some of these other things. And the teachers and the education establishment and the unions, they will squawk and they will you are defunding us, you are taking money, it's unfair, we shouldn't have to compete with blah 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 blah. blah. I don't care what you think. You know what I care about? My children. I care about my children. And I care about their education and getting the best bang, the best ROI, the best return on investment. And there have been so many discoveries since the pandemic of people being able to homeschool or use use learning pods, uh, learning groups where if you can't homeschool your kids, you can still put them in a group of kids who are being homeschooled by, uh, you know, by one person. Uh, I know one family where they both work, but they basically do the schooling at night with their child when they come home from work in the afternoon and they sit down and they do two or three hours worth of schooling with a kid. That's whatever it took. It was the ultimate flexibility. That's the bottom line. We need another choice and we need to take it. That is that is the the bottom line. All right, well, no phone calls, but that's fine because we gotta go. We're gonna come up against it here. Chris is gonna be joining us in a minute, the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Make sure you come out and check us out on Facebook as well, Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. We're gonna be back with more
0: right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and (laughs) MichaelDukesShow.com.
3: I'm reading this. I'm just reading this comment. Homeschool is for a minority of society. We need to have our kids socialized. Harold, my kids are some of the most socialized people. They can hold a conversation with any adult at any time. The whole socialization, I mean, it's such a myth, but you just love to perpetuate it. Support public schools. You'll never create a more competitive environment. Competition is best for our society. I never said eliminate public schools. I said give them some competition so that they have to better themselves. You just talked about, in the, you just talked about higher up in the thing, how you had to spend $10,000 on remedial courses for your daughter after she creamed out of the public school system with high grades. And now you're just like, well, no, it'll never get better. Come on. <laughs> Come on. There's <laughs> a disingenuousness to that that just blows my mind. Um, I've never met a person who has homeschooled that had social issues, says Jerrica. Yeah. They, really, me either. I mean, nobody is awkward or unable to hold a conversation or do anything else. I mean, my kids were plenty socialized, and many of these kids attend even more social and outside functions, extracurriculars, uh, clubs, and um, and sports and everything else than some of the kids that are in regular school. Insanity. Okay. Well, I suppose we should get ready for our call um, with Brad Keithley. Um, I suppose, I suppose, or uh, with the uh, Chris story rather. We already did Brad Keithley. Terry says she thinks learning pods, learning pods are brilliant. I agree. Um, there was a cut. There was a story in the ADN here a few weeks back. Uh, must have been a couple months ago now. Talking about uh, one of the one of the teachers who uh, was so frustrated and so disgusted by how things were handled during the pandemic that she uh, that she decided to quit working for the public school system and instead created a learning pod where she was teaching kids in a smaller setting and being able to do it, and she, you know, farmed it out and, and charged parents a set amount every month or whatever, and she's making a living now teaching to a small, a small learning pod of kids. I mean, if you find out what the market wants. Find a need and fill a need, and the market will make it happen. You know, they, somebody somebody is going to have to acknowledge that the system that we have right now is fundamentally broken. And until we acknowledge that, we're going to be doing – we're just going to keep facing the same problems over and over again. All right. Uh, Chris Story, <clears throat> the man from Homer, uh, is ready to join us right now. Hello, my friend. How are you? Good morning, Michael. I'm on top of the world. How about you? You know – no complaints my friend no complaints. Uh you all re- you all ready to dive into today's uh uplifting positive moment? Absolutely.
2: We want to talk about the Golden Echo.
3: The Golden Echo. Echo. Nice. Wow. Um, I know. I know. That was pretty. That was that you didn't was even high. use your board to do that.
2: I that know. I just... did.
3: I know. That's just that's that's called pure talent right there, buddy. Skill, uh, skills. I got mad skills. That's what I'm homeschooled. I'm homeschooled. I got mad skills. Um, uh, so how, how are things down in your neck of the woods these days? You guys got some you guys had some weather on the spit that was unbelievable. Well, it was
2: everywhere, but yeah, that—I mean, it was a t- terrific storm. But yeah, some of that footage of the, water, the the ocean blown over the spit was pretty amazing. Yeah, it was, it's quite a storm, but we rode it out here on top of the world, Michael. We're still here,
3: still here, still ready to go. All Moving right, we'll forward. hold the line, Chris. We'll be right back to you, Chris Story, the man from Homer. I love HomerAlaska dot is his website. Because branding is important And uh, he has got all of his good stuff there Including his podcast His books uh, Links to his show You'll find it all there You'll find everything there At ilovehomeralaska.com Chris Dory is our guest Please please like and share the show Please like and follow the show page please. please subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube And follow on Twitch And share it wherever you are Let's get back to it The Michael Duke Show Common Sense Liberty-based Free Thicken Radio. All right, welcome back to the program. It's Tuesday, and it's hour two, which means we get a chance to uh, talk with our friend, the guru of positivity. The man, the myth, the legend, the Tony Robbins of Alaska, we like to call him around here. Mainly because it makes him feel good. Chris Story, <laughs> the man from Homer. I love HomerAlaska.com is his website. Hey, what's happening, buddy?
2: Everything is golden here on top of the world Michael happy to be here with you as always to do this, sort of the mop up crew after the bloodbath of you and Brad
3: Yeah no it's always a little brutal after me and Brad and so Chris has got to come on and and take care of us Today he wants to talk about the golden echo 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 I'm sorry uh I, I got carried away there The golden echo Chris <laughs> tell us exactly uh what are we talking about you know give us an uplift give us something to you know, fix our bruised psyches here. What what do we got to talk about?
2: One of my favorite movies ever, and i'm getting ready to rewatch it as we move towards the holidays. Of course, is The Grinch. The version by uh with Jim Carrey by Ron Howard is such an incredible. I love that movie. I love it all the way through. I don't care where it is, if it, it's on television or so I walk into a room and it's halfway through, three quarters of the way I'm gonna sit down and watch it. And one of my favorite scenes is where Jim Carrey is the Grinch is hollering into the abyss, and everything, it just, the echo comes back repeating everything he's saying, until he decides he's gonna trick the echo and say, "Um, I'm an idiot. And then the echo comes back, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I love that scene. And I was just thinking about that the other day, that, you know, life is like that. We, We get what we put out into the world. It echoes back to us. It's, success is an echo of what you're putting into the world. Like, likewise, Poverty is the same, is an echo of what you're putting into the world. Um, Your health is an echo of what you're putting into the world. So if starting with the way you think and the thoughts that you allow yourself to hold, we have too many, 60, 70, 80,000, I've heard all the different numbers of thoughts per day. You can't control all of them. But when you find yourself putting a thought out into the world or, heaven forbid, a statement into the world that is, negative expected to come back negative it's not going to flip-flop and come back positive it's not going to flip-flop and come back as some great return some golden echo of oh my god my negativity is coming back in the form of positivity no it just doesn't work that way that's the law of the universe and right. the law of the golden echo is what you put out is what you're
3: going to get back right it's the seed you planting the seed and you're planting the seed in your little wet wired computer your brain and it's going to attempt in it's base way to try and manufacture and make true what it is that you're saying. You're programming it. You are saying, again, those echoes come right back to you. I, I remember um, an old uh, it was a, a talk that somebody gave one point about, you know, being angry, being upset, being, you know, being d- 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 uh, discouraged or down. And the guy said, I challenge you to stand in front of a mirror for five minutes and look yourself in the eye in the mirror and say nothing but, you know, I'm happy. I'm excited. I've got this. I've got, he goes for five minutes. He goes, just spend five minutes doing it. And then tell me if you don't feel better when you come away from, he goes, you're going to feel ridiculous, but just do it. Just look yourself in the eye. And for five minutes, just say the good things about yourself, about your situation, about everything else. And you'll be amazed. It is programming. That echo that comes back is, oh, I could never do that. Why? Why couldn't you never do that? Oh, I could never achieve that. I could not have your kind of dedication. I could not do this. I could not. I'm i amazed at the number of people who say things like that.
2: And, and programming is exactly right. Or are you being programmed? And I, I think it's not just a matter of maybe you're not putting fear into the world. Maybe you're not putting anger out through your social media or into every conversation you participate in. Maybe you're not suggesting those fears into the world, but you're allowing them to occupy your mind and be programmed by 24-hour news cycle we find ourselves in, um, made to order. It's very much like, I just reread 1984, um, I think it was last year I finished it, just to, just to reread, I hadn't read it since high school, and it's like I wanted to reread that and think about the the whole concept of, oh, we're no longer at war with the Eurasians, we're at war with this group, and no, no, we're not anymore, now we're they're allies with them and we're at war with these. And it's like, oh, we are just living out that Orwellian life of never mind the $85 billion in equipment and uh, weapons of literal mass destruction we left in Afghanistan. Forget now about that. That's, that's last quarter. We're focused on the billions we're sending to Ukraine. We're focused on the, the threat of the, the precipice of World War III. And if we, look, we have to pay attention, Michael. We have to pay attention to these things. But if we allow our minds to be programmed such that this is all we pay attention to. We'll pay with our health, we'll pay with our wealth. We'll constantly be in the lower 80, 20, 2, 3, 1%, whatever that you and Brad were talking about that are bearing, whether you believe it or not, that they're bearing the greatest burden due to the CFD cut. Look, it's your economy that I think you should focus on. You pay a little attention to what's happening, of course, be aware, be a good steward of your vote when you go to cast it, but don't cast your future to the winds and fortune of what you're being told from the government, from the news media, from social media. The echo is golden if you're putting something worthwhile out into the world. And so I just encourage us all to focus on our own economy, not to the extent that we don't help our neighbor, or that we're concerned with the people that uh, that need some charitable goods, of course not. What I'm saying is you cannot affect the overall economy. You cannot control as to which billions we'll spend this year in Alaska for our 750,000 populace. You can't control that. You can control what you earn, and you can control what you're putting out into the world, and it will reciprocate back. It will. It has to. It's a lot of reciprocity. It has to come back. So The golden echo is essentially what you put out into the world is going to come back to you. So be careful about what you're putting into the world, but also be careful about what you're letting the world dump into your mind. Right. You have complete control over that.
3: You are hung by the tongue, snared by the words of your mouth. Is that, not, uh, is that not the essence of what you're saying here?
2: Well, I'm thinking, you know, it's your thoughts as well. The thoughts that you're allowing to occupy your mind, and uh, are you focused on where you want to be? Or are you so focused on the station of life that you're at that you can't see tomorrow? Or do you spend too much time thinking about what life could be like or would be like tomorrow because you're not taking care of business today? And so I guess maybe my ultimate point is just simply to remind myself, if nobody else, because that's what I started thinking about this, was the thoughts that I've got towards neighbors, friends, family in the world or enemies, uh, that's all going to come back to me. You've got to be very careful about what you allow to occupy your mind because those thoughts will multiply and come back to you and we all will succumb to some negativity, uh, some you know, hurdles and obstacles that are out of our control. We can't control whether this obstacle in health sometimes comes up. Maybe it's completely out of your control, but at the same time, Dr. Martin Seligman is sort of the father of positive psychology and optimism and from a psychological standpoint, not just self-help, but like literal scientific study of psychology. And he realized about 15 years into his very, very long career that, wait a minute, I want to, I want to improve people's lives. I need to start focusing on people that are succeeding mentally and that are optimistic and that are healthy and biologically advanced versus those that are, uh, you know, negative. So if you study poverty, you're going to get more of it. If you study wealth and opulence and abundance, you're going to get more of that. What you think about and what you put out into the world is going to come back to you multiplied,
3: period. But but Chris, there's so many things that are bad. I mean, you know, the election and the thing and the the Democrats and, you know, the spending bill and the thing. And these are all bad. And we just it's all going to be. What do you say to people?
2: I see it's not just Democrats, too, by the way, Republicans. Um, But still, (laughs) they're all on my list right now. But I say, what can you control? And are you doing what you can do? Are you did you get out the vote? Did you offer to pick up three or four people that you might think, you know, I'm not sure they're going to go to the polls this election. you know, what? why don't I offer to pick them up? Did you do what you could do? Or are you doing what you can do to impact even your local? elections? Or is that, yeah, I'm not worried about that. I'm too worried about what's happening in Washington, D.C. in the swamp. Are you so concerned about the economy and the waste within government that you're not even focused on your own economy? And are you just putting out more thoughts? You, you guys mentioned affordable housing on your uh, conversation with Brad earlier. And I'm here to tell you that the the city of Homer just raised rents on every single uh, dweller of an apartment because they just raised uh, water rates, sewer rates, and a user fee just simply because it's available to them. It's available to them to pull the levers and say, hey, there's some pockets of money in every window. Sure. We'll go grab another 10 bucks a month. That's all going to get passed down to, to tenants. Now, as a landlord, am I going to sit here and focus on, oh, my goodness, this is the worst? No. I'm going to speak to my mayor this afternoon. I'm going to attempt to speak to my city manager who ignores my calls persistently, but I'm going to continually call and I'm going to do what I can. And then I'm going to let go and I'm going to increase rents. I'm going to increase my, my economy and increase what I can do, but still trying to keep affordable housing tip of the tongue, top of the mind, but pushing back on, as you just said, we need more government housing or do we need government to get out of our housing? Right. So those are things that I can control, but I'm not going to let it occupy my day. And my life, I'm still going to grow, I'm still going to be acquiring more properties, and still going to be putting out good thoughts, and the golden echo will reply.
3: You know, and I I think this comes back to, in a way, uh, from a political standpoint, because I was just throwing that out there, because I mean, I hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But this is something that I decided a a while ago, uh, five, six years ago, I decided, look, I know what I can control. I can't control what goes on in Washington, D.C. I can't control. I mean, to some point I can control what happens in the state. But really, I can control me, my family unit, what happens in my community, my community councils, my road service areas, my city councils, my borough assemblies. You know, so I decided, well, we should focus on, you know, from grassroots, we should focus from the ground up. It starts with me. Whatever it is starts with me. Can I spread that to other people and help it from that perspective? And I think that's what you're talking about here. You can't control necessarily all these outside forces. The one thing you can control is you. And what are you throwing out into the abyss? Are you throwing out I'm an idiot? Yes, you're an idiot. Or are you you throwing out, you know, I can make a difference. Are you throwing out that I right. can succeed? Or are you throwing out that, yeah. you know, money flows to me like water? What are you, what are you throwing out there into the abyss?
2: Exactly. What are you focused on? What do you allow into your mind and what are you putting out into the world, even through your thoughts, actions, or inactions? Uh you'd mentioned earlier, find the need and fill it. Those are six magic words. And so if you want to impact your economy, which is the place that everybody should start. Wallace D. Wattles wrote about this in The Science of Getting Rich in 1910. He said that it is up to you. Your economy is going to be impacted on how you think, what you think, and what you do. You have to take right action towards what you want. And what you want will begin to move towards you, just like an echo. But if you're focused and so focused on lack, on poverty, on taxes are too high. Don't wish taxes were lower. Wish you made more money. We were talking to our accountant the other day and she said, you know, uh, I'm okay with paying 25 cents out of every dollar uh, to the United States government. However, when it approaches 50 cents per dollar, I have to take a really close look at um, my workload and and my caseload. Well, yes, because she has complete control over her economy. She can do that. And if again, if we just get too lost in that abyss of lack and poverty and overtaxation and underrepresentation, then you're just going to get more of that back. And I'm not saying ignore it or bury your head, but I am saying focus on what it is you can control. Read about wealth. Read about successful people. Focus on prosperity. Focus on the solutions you want to see in the world and be part of it. I hate the expression of be the change you want to see in the world, but it makes sense and rings true for a reason it's true that what you put out into the world is gonna come back to you. So again, if you focus on poverty, you're gonna get more of it. If you focus on, and, and never should we try to stamp out poverty. This is never gonna happen. It's never, there's never going to be 100% of, uh, of people. That are, I mean, right. there, there will be some poverty in the world. It's not your job to stamp it out. Your job is to show the way and become as successful as you can be. And that is taking care of poverty in itself.
3: Right. No, I mean, and again, over the last hundred years, we have eliminated, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of poverty in the world because of technology advances and free markets and all these other kind of things. And like you said, it's never going to be eliminated, but we have minimized it to a point to today to, uh, you know, from 150 years ago, people wouldn't recognize it, uh, how far we've come. And we've got to just keep doing those things to bring and and by example we can lead everyone could be led uh, uh you know the majority of people could be led out of poverty
2: exactly and the number one way out is investing in your own backyard investing in real estate in your own control real estate in your community and you will stamp out poverty not just for yourself but for others and improve upon the lives of those around you
3: yeah no it's good stuff chris story i love homer how the book's coming
2: Oh, excellent. Thanks for asking. I love the, uh, I love the accountability. I appreciate that. Uh, coming very good. I hope to be uh, wrapping up um, two at once, which again, as I've said before, is a mistake. And I'm trying to focus on one at a <laughs> time. Uh, but it's my, I don't know, my, my, my brain is not allowing me to just I, I keep picking up the two the next millionaire book and the next Jacob Mann book. And I just keep moving back and forth, but I hope to be done here in the next uh, 14 days. That's my goal. All
3: right. Well, we, uh, we look forward to it. We look forward to hearing it and seeing it and, uh, and getting things squared away. Chris story uh, on the air Tuesdays and Thursdays down on the peninsula on the stations of KPEN at uh, one o'clock, I believe. And um, do you have your stream is up on your website now?
2: No, but the podcasts are available shortly thereafter.
3: Slacker <laughs> showed you how to stream, set you all up. Still don't stream. Okay, all right. Well, we're gonna get you. We're gonna get you squared away. You're gonna. You're gonna be doing it every day, so it'll be fine. Uh, Chris Story, thank you, my friend. As always, it's a pleasure to speak with you. We appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate you coming on board and joining with us today. Thank you, Michael. My pleasure. All right, folks. Um, that leaves us. With a segment open for whatever you want to talk about, I'm just going to open up the phone lines. Open line, open form. Whatever you want to talk about, we'll do it right now. 907-433-3150. Get in the queue right now. 907-433-3150. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking Radio.
0: Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
3: Okay, so that is uh, it for Chris' story, and that's it for uh, you and me. One final segment uh, today. Whatever you want to talk about. People are talking in the homeschool or in the um, in the chat room about homeschooling and pandemic pods and everything else. Or not pandemic pods, but learning pods. Uh, They were initially they were called pandemic pods, and now they're just called learning pods. Um, And I love that. I love that idea. I love that. I was so encouraged when I read that story about the teacher who was like I'm done with the school system, but she's now uh providing a service to families that uh that want to be able to do that. I just found that to be I found it awesome. I just I just thought that was so so awesome. Um all right. <clears throat> what else you guys want to talk about here this morning? Um um brr, 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 brr. I'm just going through here Kevin McCabe, it's a free market solution the ideas could transfer into government monopolies, road maintenance ambulance services, etc uh talking I think he's talking about privatization. I got to go back and see what uh Kevin oh Kevin was talking about backpack funding. he's the only right way to fund education. the BSA has no way to add performance metrics so let's have the free market do it. If a school is not performing parents can vote with their feet uh, I don't think one necessarily plays into the uh, into the other Daniel. Um, but, uh, you know, why not? If you could provide ambulance service, um, at a cheaper price, uh, for, uh, the same or higher, higher level of service, why wouldn't you? Does it have to be owned by the government to be effective? Is that the thing? I think that's, that's part of the stumbling block. We looked at privatization in Fairbanks at one point of various services, and there was a potential for, um... Uh, for like ambulance service and stuff like that. But people were afraid uh, because they've been taught the whole time that government had to provide that. It wasn't, you know, couldn't have a private, private sector do it, had to have government provide it. And, uh, and I, you know, I had to ask why. Why does government have to? Why is it only a government option? If you can do it uh, for less money and have the same or better service, why would you not want to do that? Uh, New Zealand privatized a big chunk of a lot of their public stuff that they had over the years. Hillsdale College had a had a, had a a big deal on that uh, – report on that here about 10 years ago where they talked about that. Why couldn't you? Well, because, you know, the private company could fail. And then – well, so you write things in that – into the contract that if the company fails or flusters or whatever, then the assets can revert – you know, could revert back to some government agency if that's what we needed to do. I mean there's all – there's all kinds of things that could get, that could work uh, better, but we've been inundated and we've been uh, you know we've been indoctrinated that the solution to all the problems that we face today are the answer is always government, regardless of what the question is. The answer is government, and that's a problem. That's a problem. Um, I believe there is a private air ambulance up here in Fairbanks. Yes, there is. There is a private air ambulance. Um. If the government is involved, they're going to screw it up, says Terry. Yeah, I mean that's part of the problem. Um, okay I'm, I'm looking I'm looking forward looking at back at your comments to see if there's anything here that we should be talking about. Um, uh, going back, what does grow the PFD mean? What, what does it mean to grow the PFD? That was Cliff Groves. That's his comment. That's his uh, tagline for his campaign. Grow the PFD. Is it the same as the Giesling, the PFD? Yes, possible. It could be possible. Um, Michael, if you summarize your comments for a column, it would be a useful commentary to submit to the media. You know, I've attempted to uh, to write some pieces, and I know I'm, I have a newsletter and some of these things, but – I, you know, I always find that such a chore to to uh, try and write down. And you know, in fact, the last newsletter that I wrote, what I did was that I turned on voice voice typing or whatever, and I just started talking, and uh, and and that's how I did it because I just I find it so much easier to put my put my words. Um, into into speaking, right? Than I do into writing. My writing is not uh, is not. I always I always feel like I have to go back and anyway. I see what you're saying, Juanita, but that's not uh, it's not something that I uh, uh, that I have focused on. I was going to say it's something that I'm not good at, but I am good at it. It's just it takes a lot more effort than just sitting down there and talking to you, <laughs> talking to you about what's going on. That's for sure. Um. All right, uh, I'm just going through here. Any good news? Well you know what that's a good question. I don't know if there's any good news. I haven't uh, I haven't looked today. Uh, but since uh, we don't uh, have any phone calls yet, I will uh, look to see if there's uh, I'll look to see if there's some good news. Um, let's see if there's anything else out there. Um, um, oh there you go. that's a good that's a good news story. Um, And here's another one I got a couple good news stories that I can talk about We'll do that, alright Thank you, Deborah, for reminding me That sometimes we need the good news The good news The good news Um, And there's another one Okay, we gotta go, we're gonna jump back into it The phone lines are still open, so we'll see what's going on Uh, The Michael Duke Show Common Sense, <clears throat> Liberty Based Free Thinking Radio, like and share, here we go Okay, well, one final segment for this morning's program, and we get a chance to, uh, I adjusted that and I didn't like it, Uh, we get a chance to talk about that, uh, whatever you want to talk about here. I'm opening up the phone lines for one final segment this morning. All you got to do is um, give us a call. If you want to talk about what Chris was talking about or anything that Brad was talking about or my rant earlier on about schools and bonds and indebtedness and deferred maintenance and learning pods and all that other stuff we would we'd love to we'd love to we'd love to hear from you 907-433-3150 907-433-3150 if you would like to uh, be part of the show this morning and sound off on any of the topics that we've uh, been discussing we uh, we would love to hear from you um, in a continuation of what we were talking about with Chris um, the, uh, uh, somebody in the chat room said, Hey, what about our, uh, what about our good news segment? Um, and you're not wrong. There is uh, we do have some segments on good news that we could pick up and do. That's something that we've been doing here the last few weeks, which I think was, uh, um, which I think is fun. I mean, again, cause you know, they always say bad news sells, bad news sells. Uh, but you know, sometimes you got to feel that, that good news. And so uh, we like to uh, we like to share those stories uh, with you sometimes just because, you know, you need a little bit of bright shininess out there to uh, to to make it happen. Uh, so we'll, we've will got some good news stories if nobody decides to call in. Again, the number to call is 907-433-3150. I'm assuming the phone lines are open and working. I guess I should – you know, whenever I don't get a phone call, I start to worry because occasionally the phone lines get broken and uh, I worry that uh, – <laughs> I worry that something is not right with the uh with the phone systems and I just don't know it so I guess we'll test the phone lines and make sure that everything is uh, up and running and ready to go uh, but if you want to call or you can also drop me an email the email address is me at michaeldukeshow.com, M-E at michaeldukeshow.com. so uh well apparently available the uh the apparently the phone lines are up and working so we're we're good to go on that. So, if you'd love to call in, feel free to do it 907-433-3150. All right, so a piece of good news. Here's a here's a good news story to to put you on your uh, put you on your Tuesday. By the way, uh, if you're driving in the South Central area, I know Fairbanks got snow here a couple days ago, but we got a big snow dump last night in the Matsu and South Central area. So, if you're traveling today, be cautious. Be be very, very cautious. And I saw that Bill said earlier down in the Kenai they have some black ice around there as well. It's like 30 degrees outside the studios here. So uh, just be careful out there when you guys drive around, okay? Anyway, here's your piece of good news. A woman finally met her long-lost dad, a man that she didn't even know existed thanks to an amateur sleuth she met on Facebook. Adriana Tyler thought she knew her father until the age of 13 when she overheard him referring to her as her stepdaughter. Since said she wanted to know who her biological father was, but could never find out anything about him. Now the 33-year-old mom married to a truck driver in Pittsburgh uh, says she, she recalled – she goes, I was desperate to find my real dad. It always really mattered to me, which I find interesting. I may mean, always wonder why if you've been raised and you didn't know you were adopted or you didn't know that you weren't the biological child of, a, of your step-parent um, – I, I don't know. I've, I've never had that happen to me, so I guess I don't understand necessarily the need for it. But it's an inter- definitely an interesting, and I know a lot of people feel that way. So she began to search by ordering a DNA test kit, ask for some assistance from strangers running a Facebook group that helps strangers unite with long-lost relatives and everything else. Out of that group, a wonderful woman called Suzanne helped her build a family tree and after another DNA test uh, found her aunt who was uh, 47-year-old Kathy Johnson. From there, they found her biological dad, a police officer who lived 1,000 miles away in Florida. And then she said she'd put her in touch with her dad. And She said, I was so nervous. How do you call someone and just ask, are you my dad? (laughs) I mean, that that is an awkward phone call. I guarantee you that is an awkward phone call. Uh, Adrian told SWNS News Service that Joseph Frank had no idea she'd ever been born and was thrilled to learn that he not only had another daughter, but two young grandchildren. She said, he was—he found out about me. He was so excited. It was such a relief. After spending the next month texting and video calling daily, getting to know each other, Joseph traveled from Florida to Pennsylvania so they could meet in person for the first time. They met uh, last week at a local festival near her home, and now they're already planning a family holiday. They enjoyed pizza when they had their emotional meeting. She also discovered she has two half-sisters who are around her age. And she said we bonded right away. It feels good. Uh, Joseph remembered having a summer fling with Adriana's mom in the '80s while she was working on his uncle's farm. They grew close but never spoke again. He didn't even know she was expecting a baby. So uh, it uh, is a good story all the way around, and uh, and kind of a happy, kind of a happy, uh, uh, a happy day. So meeting her long lost thanks to friends on Facebook. That's not something you hear every day. Thanks to friends on Facebook. <laughs> Because usually your, quote, unquote, friends on Facebook are not always your friends. Let's just put it that way. So that's the good news there. Uh, All right. Uh, Coming up tomorrow on the program, what do we got? Uh, Coming up tomorrow on the show, we're going to be talking with uh, Elijah Verhagen in the first uh, hour of the program tomorrow. And then uh, in the second hour, we're going to be talking with Kelly Nash, Elijah Verhagen, candidate for Senate. Kelly Nash, candidate for House in the interior. This is up in the Fairbanks area. On Thursday, we're going to be talking with John Cunningham. And I'm trying to get uh, David Nelson on the program as well, as well as Jamie Allard and some others. And on Friday, we're going to have Chris Chang, Top Shot champion Chris Chang, is going to be joining us uh, as he does every second Friday of the month. And also, again, working on having the folks from the Second Amendment Foundation call in and talk with us and uh, and uh, and chit-chat. So that should be that should be a fun uh, time on Friday. And, of course, Willie Waffle from wafflemovies.com. Now, <clears throat> that being said, we are – Today is Tuesday, right? So we are one, two, three. We're four Tuesdays away from Election Day. Only four, well, five, well, four, because it's the eighth. So that would be four more weeks away from Election Day. That's all we have right now. It's almost over, folks. It's all, it's all the race to the finish. That doesn't mean that you grow wearying well doing. We, we've still got to. We've still got to talk to our friends and relatives. We've still got to offer to, you know, take people to the polls, educate people about, uh, you know, the the issues and everything else. That is what we should do. Uh, Sandy is asking, when is our debate between Ruffridge and Gillum? Uh, it was going to be on Monday, but there was a conflict. So we're going to be moving it Monday, the next Monday. Now we're going to move it over to uh, Wednesday. We're going to move it over to Wednesday. So we're going to have that over Wednesday. They're going to be here for the whole show on the 19th. And we're trying to do the same thing, as I said earlier, for Mike Schauer and Doug Massey. A couple of these races that are pretty contentious. uh, We're going to try and do that a couple times. Uh, I mean, I would love to get Bill Walker and Les Gara and Mike Dunleavy and Charlie Pierce on the show. I just don't think that's ever going to happen. Although I am encouraged, I'm hoping that we'll be able to get Charlie Pierce back on again to talk a little bit about his campaign and where he's going from here and what his plans are. That's, I mean, that's what we're hoping for anyway. All right, so we're out of time for today. So we got to go, but we'll keep you in the loop. Thanks for being part of it today. The Michael Duke Show continues. We got more tomorrow, 6 a.m. Make sure you come out and join me. In the meanwhile, be kind to one another, love one another, and live well. The Michael Duke Show. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. Have a great day. Okay. Well, nobody wanted to talk this morning. That's crazy. Um, You had less. It's possible, says Harold. Well, yeah, but I've got to get Dunleavy and Walker on. Uh, neither a one which have responded. I mean, we could just have Les Gary and Charlie Pierce on, maybe. I don't know. We'll see what happens, you know. Massey will never do it, says Terry. His arrogance don't, won't allow it. I, You know, we've at, we reached out to the show. We've reached out to the campaign. Haven't heard back. We'll try it again. We'll see. Anyway, appreciate you guys coming on board. We will see you tomorrow. Be safe out there. It's a little slippery. We'll see you later. Have a great day.